In 2009, my wife Christina is just as pregnant as she is now. Isn't she beautiful? And in 2009, uh, she starts expressing some concerns about being pregnant for the first time. How long is this going to take? How bad is it going to hurt? How long will it take me to recover? Am I going to be okay? Are you going to be okay? Is the baby going to be okay? And being the kind, consoling, empathetic, birthing expert that I am, I responded quickly with something similar to this. <clears throat> Honey, look around at all the people in the world. They're here. They made it. Women have been giving birth for thousands of years. I think you're going to be okay. You ever see the words coming out of your mouth and then the facial expressions and the body language on the person you're talking to start to change rapidly? And I thought, uh-oh, we were committing until death do us part, but I don't think murder was out of the question in that moment. See, I heard what she said, and I responded quickly with something that seemed to make logical sense to me, but it was really on something I had no idea about, would never experience, so was I really listening? Was I being empathetic to her situation in a what she was about to experience and go through? Was I seeking to understand? Or did I just open my big mouth and say, hey, look, I'm not really worried about this, and I don't think you should be either. Well, come to find out, and not to make any excuses, but I'm not the only husband who has responded that way in similar situations. Uh, Proverbs 17.28 says, even a fool who remains silent is considered wise. And I think Abraham Lincoln put it this way. It's better to be thought a fool and remain silent than open one's mouth and relieve all doubt. Now, <clears throat> take that for what it's worth, because I did find it next to this Abraham Lincoln quote. Don't believe everything you read on the Internet. <laughs> Hi, I'm David Bessenbacher. I'm a part of your connections team here at Dallas Church. You can often find me out in the lobby welcoming new people in. I also help lead a Saturday morning men's Bible study. Sometimes I get tapped on the shoulder to come up here and share a message with you. And we've been going through a very important and timely series on listening, or on friending, and uh, today we're going to be learning about loving by listening. And the goal of today's message is to empower and equip each one of us to go out and love our neighbor as ourself, and spread the hope of Jesus by being salt and light in our world. And to do that, we're just going to have to take a moment, slow down, listen to God and to people, ask some questions, be present with them, and not always just trying to put our ideas, agendas, and platitudes on them, and then wondering why they just won't listen. See, today we're going to be talking a lot about listening, and I'm going to be doing most of the talking <laughs> So let's just take a moment to pause, to pray, to ask God to bless our time together, and then listen for what he has for us. Let's pray. Lord, we are just so thankful that not only do you hear us, but that you are present and listen to us as well. Lord, we're thankful for the example of Jesus, and though Jesus could have just demanded his authority and that we listen to him, that he slowed down, took some time, listened, asked questions, 
and ultimately led people to a deeper, more meaningful relationship with you. Lord, we just ask that you equip and empower us today to be more like Jesus, to go out and be your hands and feet in this world. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Almost every day of our lives, we interact with people. From the time we get up to the time we lay our head to rest, we will quickly realize that the quality of our closest relationships will have a tremendous impact in our attitude and quality of life. Even if we try to seclude ourselves, we find that we spend a majority of our time in some form of communication, whether with our family at home, with the people we work with, with our friends, or just people we come into contact with on a daily basis. Even if we do get alone, we tend to read a book, watch TV, listen to music, scroll through social media, or read and respond to text messages. We are either giving or receiving information constantly. But is anyone listening? Is anyone listening? When we feel we aren't being listened to, we naturally tend to get frustrated and even angry, and then we start putting our words on people, demanding that they understand. And if things don't seem to be going our way, sometimes we start to withdraw from the conversation or maybe the relationship altogether just because they won't listen. We could go through study after study that would tell us that we have the opportunity to listen more than we have to speak. But we're probably just not doing a good enough job at it because we have a short attention span to which we could go through books and courses and seminars on, at best, how to be a better listener, but in some cases, how to act like or manipulate our way to listen to get the things that we want. I believe that you and I have a tremendous responsibility as Christ followers to spread a message of hope through the gospel of Jesus and be light and salt in our world. And if we're having trouble modeling good listening, slowing down and being present people with people and just showing that we really truly care about them, and we're just putting our words on people to try to get our way, how can we expect any different from the world or the people we talk to and interact with and call friends. I believe that you and I can take biblical wisdom and principles and apply them into our daily conversations to have what we're talking about today, better friendships. But this could also apply to your marriage, to your parenting, or just how you interact in the community. I believe we could take these principles to turn strangers into friends, and God willing, by his grace, his love, his mercy, and the other person's willingness to open their heart to the work of the Holy Spirit, we could see friends turn into fellow believers and brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, our text today is in the letter of James. James is one of the brothers of Jesus who had some trouble listening to and responding to the idea that Jesus was the Messiah before his resurrection. And, I mean, can you really blame him? I mean, if my brother came up to me and was like, hey, I'm God on earth, you better believe I will have some questions, and depending on how serious he was, uh, I would either laugh at him or start escorting him to the closest doctor's office. Hi, John, if you're listening. <laughs> um, and we saw a couple of weeks ago that Joseph's brothers, when he shared his dream with them, how they responded and it wasn't good, uh, if you remember. But in John chapter 7, 
we see Jesus back in Galilee. He's with his brothers. And there's a Jewish feast going on up in Judea. And Jesus' brothers were like, hey, Jesus, why don't you just rush in? Show everybody who you are and what you're about. And just don't keep it secret any longer. Because they didn't believe he was who he said he was. And they probably didn't believe that he actually would. And I got to think, Jesus being patient. Who knows how many times he kind of went through this routine with them. Hey, look, guys, it's not my time. You go on ahead up to the feast. But after the resurrection, we see James not only ready to listen, but he responds in such a way that he makes Jesus his Lord and Savior. In fact, he becomes a teacher, a leader, and a pillar at the church in Jerusalem. And history would tell us that he would go so far as to be put to death because he would not denounce Jesus as his Lord and Savior and stop telling others to do the same. With that in mind, let's take a look at our text in James chapter 1, verse 19. This is in the New International Version, and it reads this way. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let's read that together. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, some of your translations might read, quick to hear. The English Standard Version puts it this way. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. See, I want to be careful and clear about the context of this text. See, James isn't talking about how to make friends or how to be a better listener as a friend or how to be a better listener as a spouse or a parent or even how you and I listen and interact with each other. James is very specifically talking about how we listen to and respond to the Word of God. Let's just take a little deeper look at what he was saying. Uh, let's kick back to verse 18 and we'll go through about 25. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James is telling us that when we hear the word of God, we can't just let it go through one ear and out the other. But when we're really listening, it should hit our heart that we should respond in such a way that it acts out in our faith in the lives of others. Before we take these principles and apply them in the context of friendship, we need to realize that first and foremost, our most important relationship, friendship, desire should be for God and his word. That we should just take a moment, slow down, spend some time with God and his word, applying it, understanding it, listening to it, 
And that should cause us to respond in such a way that we have a heart of obedience that changes us from the inside out and then produces fruit in our lives. And from that overflow, we can put that into the lives of others and into our friendships. Jesus says in Luke 8.15, those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. When we are listening to the Lord and rooted in his word, we bear fruit. And here's the test, because Ben's gone through it a couple times. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of which have an element of relationship to them. When we truly love and care about someone, we don't have to worry about the next behavior modification or tip and trick and try to manipulate our way or somehow act our way into being a better listener. Because when we're listening, we are close to the word of God and we are close to the love of Jesus. Paul says in Romans 12, 9 through 10, and he said, this is in the New Living Translation, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Now, does this mean that we just stop developing our personal and people skills and just hope for the best? I don't think that's what it means. What I think it means is we need to start with the right heart, the right motivation, the right perspective of people, and not just be in it for our own way or try to manipulate our own way. Again, we need to stay close to the word of God and the love of Jesus, who is the very embodiment of that word. There are several examples in Jesus' life where he was doing something really important or on his way to do something important, and his disciples or the people following him, or probably you and I would have said, hey, Jesus, um, there's a lot on the the to-do list today. We're, like, really busy Um, we got important stuff to do. We really got to go. One of these times is when Jesus is in Jericho. He's passing through, and he's going to be going down to Jerusalem for the triumphal entry. He's going to go in, he's going to cleanse the temple, and he's going to start teaching there. You know, the really big, important stuff that everybody was waiting for. And as he's going outside, passing through the gates, outside of the gates of Jericho, there's some blind beggars there, one of them by the name of Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus asks, what's uh, all the commotion about? And I said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He's passing through. And he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You know, like some of your crazy friends. And... uh, they say, shh, don't, don't do that, Bartimaeus. Be quiet. Don't do that. But he yells out even louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the text actually says, Jesus stopped. And he said, call him to me. And Bartimaeus jumped up and made his way to Jesus. And Jesus asked a question. What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus said, Bartimaeus, go. Your faith 
has made you whole. And instantly, Bartimaeus could see. And he began glorifying God, and the people around were glorifying God. And it said that Bartimaeus followed him along the way. Jesus loved Bartimaeus so much that even though he was going on his way to do something really important, he just stopped, took a moment, listened, asked a question, and ultimately fulfilled a big need in Bartimaeus' life. And God got the glory. Jesus loves you. And Jesus loves me. And Jesus loves the people that we interact with on a daily basis. And even though you and I might be busy or about important things or in a hurry to just get along with our day or even maybe just spend some time with family, when someone's trying to get our attention and talk to us about something that's important to them, maybe it's good we just stop and we listen. And maybe that's all they're looking for is just somebody who takes a moment to listen for them for a few minutes to know that they're loved and cared for. But maybe you and I would have the opportunity to ask some questions. Maybe, what can I do for you? Or how can I help you in this situation? And then we might have the opportunity to use our talents, our gifts, our resources. Maybe put a group of people together to use their talents and gifts and resources. And then we could bless them. We could build them up and God would get the glory. Okay, a couple of tips. But remember, we got to start with the right heart, the right motivation, and the right perspective of people. That they are loved as a child of God and made in His image, no matter who they are. And if we start with the right heart, often the right actions and behaviors will follow. But if we're just in it for some tips and tricks and behavior modification, sometimes that can tend to lean towards manipulation. So number one, practice conversation, generosity. If you've been talking with someone more than a couple minutes, say five, ten, maybe even more, and you're doing most, if not all, of the talking, you may be over-talking. <laughs> and if the only response you're getting is, uh, yeah, okay, uh-huh, sure, right? You don't say, wow, that's crazy. We should have the opportunity, I'm making friends now, right? We should have the opportunity to listen more than we speak. We might just stop, try to turn it around, ask a few questions, and just show that we love and care about them. If they're really interested in what you're talking about, they'll ask, they'll tell you, what, what did you mean over here? Or can you go on about that one point? But if they're feeling trapped in the situation, and they're praying for an act of God or deliverance to free them because you just won't stop talking, we might not be showing that we truly love and care about them. Now, my kids always say, can I get a witness? Uh, my kids always say, well, but aren't they supposed to be doing that too? Well, technically, yes. But right now, I'm talking to you. When I'm talking to them, I'll make sure to give them the same advice. Practice conversation, generosity. Number two, eliminate distractions. If you're busy about a task or on your phone, 
or you're doing something important and someone's trying to talk to you, again, it might just be a good time to stop, slow down, ask those questions. But wait, I really am busy. Like, I really have important things that I have to do. And they're interrupting me. Well, I advise you to go back and listen to last week's message about boundaries from Pastor Ben. Great message. But maybe you just need to ask, do we really need to talk about this right now? Or is it something that can wait when I'm not as busy and I can give you my my full attention? Could you imagine if Bartimaeus was coming up to Jesus and Jesus was on his tablet doing something, maybe on his iPhone, and, uh, oh, what's your name? Oh, hi. Oh, what, what can I do for you? Oh, uh, hey, Siri, can you heal Bartimaeus? <laughs> yeah, it's, hey, nice to meet you. I got to go. Uh, no, <laughs> Jesus stopped. He listened. He asked a few questions. Well, he asked a question, and he ultimately fulfilled a big need in Bartimaeus' life, and God got the glory. Eliminate distractions. Number three, listen to understand before giving your opinion. Listen to understand before even deciding if you're going to give your opinion. Just because somebody shares something with you doesn't mean we need to immediately interject our opinion, our advice, our ideas, and try to sway them to our way or a different way of thinking. Again, it might just be a good time to stop, slow down, ask some open-ended questions, and by doing that, we would have the opportunity to just really listen and show that we care for them and seek, show them that we're seeking first to understand, then be understood, as author Stephen Covey puts it. Just because we listen to everything they said doesn't mean that we're agreeing with them. We're just showing that first we value and care for them. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. As you're talking to someone, you might realize that you're listening to their story or part of their story. And you may come to the conclusion that if you experience life the same way they experience life, you might do or come to the same conclusions that they came to. And it doesn't mean that we, it's our goal to like change them or fix them or judge them or try to make them some sort of carbon copy of ourself. Our goal is to love, to listen to them, to ultimately point them to Jesus, the only one who can make them whole. Paul says in his letter to Timothy, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. The aim of our charge is love. Following the events of World War I, uh, there was a theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he noticed a dangerous ideology uh, starting to permeate his nation and eventually the church as a whole. And he was one of the early ones to speak out against the Nazi regime and Hitler Uh, In fact, when Hitler was on the air claiming to be the supreme leader, he said over the air, no, you're the misleader. And he was immediately taken off the air, and he was canceled and told he couldn't teach anymore. And he kind of made some refuge out to America for a little bit. But then he kind of felt that 
if he was over here, he wasn't able to kind of understand and empathize what was going on in his country. And he didn't want to just run back after the war. So he made a decision to go back and uh, he kind of starts this, or is part of this underground church movement uh, that is in this resistance movement that is helping Jews get out of, out of uh, Germany because they were kind of the target of the Nazis' annihilation. And eventually they even try an assassination attempt on Hitler, which is, fails and the whole thing blows up and investigation takes place and Bonhoeffer is arrested and then taken to a prison camp and eventually uh, he's put to death just weeks before the Allied invasion that would free the camp that he was at. Uh, but he wrote a couple of books. One of them is Life Together, and he wrote this section on listening that I think really just sums up the big idea for today. He said this, and it's translated from German, so you'll kind of see it two different ways here, but the first service that one owes to others in the fellowship consists in listening to them. Just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for the brethren is learning to listen to them. It is God's love for us that we not only give us his word, but also lends us his ear. So it is his work that we do for our brothers when we learn to listen to him. When we love God, we listen to and obey him. And when we love people, we listen to and encourage them. When we love God, we listen to and obey him. And when we, when we love people, we listen to and encourage them. I believe that we can make a tremendous impact in our friendships, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our communities, if we are known as a people who love and listen to one another and the people we come into contact with and even call friends. We should be prepared to give an answer to the hope and the joy that is within us, an opportunity to point to Jesus. And maybe like James, Jesus' brother, who was skeptical, had questions, wasn't necessarily ready to follow in the beginning, maybe if we just kept that relationship and friendship open, they would have the opportunity to see the power of Jesus at work over and over again through our life, through our witness, through our testimony. And then we could introduce them to Jesus as a friend, a friend who loves them, who cares about them, who laid down his life to be a sacrificial offering for their sin so that they could be back in relationship with God and have eternal life. I would love if everyone would see Jesus as a friend, but much, much, much more importantly, we need to see Jesus as more than just a friend. He is the only hope we have. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus. We're thankful for friendship. Help us to be a people who love and listen to you and to your word. Help us to be a people who love and listen to the people around us. We just ask that your Holy Spirit would transform our hearts to be more like Jesus. May we go out and love and listen to the people around us in our friendships, in our communities, in our workplaces. If there's anyone here that 
doesn't know your love, Lord, I just ask that their heart and mind will be open, that your Holy Spirit meet them right where they're at, and that they would be open to a loving relationship with you. Pray this in the precious, precious name of Jesus. Amen.